I'm Brenna, a certified sex expert and sex coach who is passionate about human sexuality, female empowerment, and helping people develop the sex life of their dreams. I'm Brian, certified relationship coach, eager to share my unique relationship experiences along with a rich history of sexuality to coach you through your personal journey. And you're listening to Sex on Your Terms. So the whole reason we do sex on your terms is because it's about just that, doing things on your terms. And today we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to talk about the fact that consensual non-monogamy is a personal journey, granted a journey along with your partner if you are partnered, but definitely something that is also a very personal thing. And we're going to talk through a little bit of our personal journey as well. Before we get to that, we want to say a very big thank you to altplayground.net, a great place to start your next non-monogamous adventure. And right now you can jump on and try Alt Playground for three days for just $3.99. If you don't want to have a huge commitment, but you still want to jump on and see all of the amazing features, content, and exclusives from Alt Playground, it's a great opportunity to do so. Plus, if you jump on there, you can find our community. It's under Front Porch Swingers. We would love for you to come join us and 400 plus other lifestylers. We also want to say a very big thank you to Luxury Lifestyle Charters for partnering with us on this episode. Luxury Lifestyle Charters has a 100-foot private charter that goes to the Bahamas and the Florida Keys as well as other places with Uh, up to seven people on board. So you can jump on with up to six of your lifestyle friends and have a socially distanced yet amazing and high-end adventure on the open waters. So head on over to LuxuryLifestyleCharters.com today. Check out all of the amazing ways that you can plan your next adventure and enjoy a lifestyle experience unlike any other. And before we get to our topic today, we are covering a topic that on our other podcast from Porch Swingers we have talked about many times and that is the unsolicited dick pic. So Kinsey Institute, one of my absolute favorite and I, in my opinion the most amazing research center out there, did a, a research study on unsolicited nudes and people's reaction to them and I don't think the details of this study, the findings will surprise you in any way shape or form but I definitely think they're still worth covering because there is now substantial evidence to show that you should not be sending said unsolicited dick pics. No, for sure not. This was pretty, I don't know if it was eye-opening, but it was certainly reassuring that we were, that we're right. Yes. I mean, it seems like it was pretty much spot on with what we were, what we've always thought uh, and what we've always said. So I was pretty happy to read this. Yes. So here goes. 70% of the women polled said that they have reported receiving some sort of unsolicited dick pic. Of the 70%, 70% also said that they had a significantly negative response to said unsolicited nude, reporting feelings of being grossed out and disrespected. Only 16% of the women in the study reported some level of positive response. Only 8% of women reported feeling aroused by an unsolicited dick pic. Yeah, that's a gigantic variance in percentage. So basically, guys, don't send your junk in uh, in an email or a picture or a text message. Just don't do that. Yeah, it goes unless on, it's requested. Exactly. It goes on to say if it's consensual in nature, those those percentages change drastically. Sure. Of course. Sure. 
So I just thought that was so interesting because as a hot wife, as somebody who is in the world of non-monogamy and dealing with a lot of men, I receive, I think you guys would be shocked at the number of unsolicited dick pics I receive. It's insane. So first of all, I do a lot of the communication with the single guys that Brenda plays with and that we meet and interact with. And I will tell you that there is, if I get a hundred responses, five of them don't have nudes in them. Like right. the, the initial email, unsolicited, five of them might not have one. I would love for Kinsey Institute or any other research institute out there to pull men and do a legit study on why it is men feel the need to send an unsolicited dick pic. Hey, I'm also not sure you're going to get real answers either, certainly. And also, are you going to get, are guys going to be like, oh, well, I don't do that? Well, clearly you do because... This, 70% <laughs> of women have received one. Yeah. This study says you do. Yeah. You know? So seven out of 10 of those of those images are met with disdain. So just don't do it. Yeah. You know? I mean, just don't do it. I have a date tonight. Yes. I have a date tonight with a, with a young lady, and I have not sent her any pictures of my junk. She has not <laughs> asked for them. There's never even been a conversation about it. Right. You know, we have shared images of each other, completely clothed and just normal sort of day-to-day pictures. Even a video that she sent me, she was just in a wedding recently, like this weekend, and sent me a, a video of her in her, her a bridesmaid's dress. It's not even been a conversation. Nor should it be. Not even a conversation. No, because this is, A, it's not a casual sex thing. Right. Which I think a lot of times, and we just spoke about this on our other podcast, from Porch Swingers, but I think there is this mentality a lot of times that casual means that you can do things like throw out unsolicited dick pics and it's okay. You're right. somehow granted that permission because it's not a relationship. You're not looking to be romantic with this person. And I think that this study is a huge indicator to men that that is so not the case there is still a level of decorum and respect that needs to be shown even in a casual sex interaction well there certainly should be until someone requests such a thing you should just leave it alone yeah Yeah. it's crazy to me it's a certain level of misogyny we've talked about this before and i know a lot of people won't agree with me especially if you're one of those guys listening right now that sends unsolicited dick pics to me i think that you are a bit of a misogynist if you believe that it's okay to do so without permission it's the same thing as going up to a woman and grabbing her ass without her permission in my opinion it's there is a certain level of you feeling are like you deserve some level of of sexual attention from someone well like you're entitled to it and i don't like that if you're a guy single guy coupled guy whatever the case may be if you're a guy that typically will send a, a nude unsolicited nude you should ask yourself how many of those you receive from women right how many women openly like first email email number one unsolicited no conversation just send you a picture of their vagina but why do you think that is why do you think that women don't do the same thing well we're certainly not wired the same that that's clear but there's also a sense i think a lot of times with women you you've felt this way that you want there to be some mystery you know you like the idea of mystery in a lot of different ways guys are just so eager and we're going to we'll talk a little bit more about this today because i've had an amazing ex- experience with single guys as of late uh, particularly but i think there's there's something in guys that makes them want to expose themselves you think about like flashers not a whole lot of female flashers out there right guys just want you to see their junk 
Yeah, but to me, I think that's a level of power. You feel it absolutely it's is. It's a power grab. It's the yeah. idea of you want to be in control of the yeah. situation right from go. It, well, and you're forcing someone to do something they don't want to do. You are you're forcing me or someone to look at you naked. I didn't ask for that. Right. So you're forcing me to do that. You know, and and it's almost like it's her. It's like you said, it's sexual harassment. It's a, it, to some degree, it's almost assault. Like I am not asking for that, so I don't. Why would you send that to me? Yeah, well, it's certainly assault on my eyes sometimes. It's it is certainly offensive. <laughs> We've there also was, seen some very distasteful dick pics. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. We should have a table book. It's so bad. <laughs> so yeah, I I think that there's a that's a big part of it. The men and the women in our space, particularly be it, you know, ethical non-monogamy or poly or whatever, you know, it's the guys that are the most egregious. I, and, I, and it doesn't matter what part of ethical non-monogamy we're talking about. It's just really egregious. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, the point of this sex in the news is, guys, if you are sending dick pics, please stop because there is now legitimate evidence no. from a very reputable source saying that you should not do so because women don't like yeah, it. And if you're on the fence about it, don't. <laughs> Just don't. Because you have a 70% chance of being that guy. Yep. And you don't want to be that guy. Exactly. You just don't. So just don't do it. Fair enough. Yeah, too much for me. So we need to dive into today's topic because I am very excited to talk about this. I think it's something that's very important to talk about. I think it's also very broad and we can go in a lot of different directions with this, but I'm, I just think it's a great topic. And like we mentioned at the top of the episode, today we're going to be talking about the idea of a personal journey. And I think the reason we wanted to discuss this is because we've been talking a lot about the change in the evolution in ourselves from a relationship perspective, from a sexuality perspective since the beginning of our relationship. And we've been thinking back to when we very first started in the world of non-monogamy. So just to give you guys a little bit of background, if you aren't familiar with our story, we started out as a hot wife couple. The first few non-monogamous encounters we had were me playing with other men, you setting all of that up and obviously being completely aware of it and consensual and eager for me to do so. But that was really where our journey began. And in a lot of ways that has defined our non-monogamous journey up to this point. It's been very dominated by me playing with other men. For sure. And what was so interesting is we got into then speaking to couples and being around couples in the lifestyle. And it has this air of being very liberating and accepting and judgment free. And yet I remember the first couple of times we told couples that we started out as a hot wife couple and the looks on their faces were either confusion or judgment. Right. And that was really interesting. It was kind of our first lesson in, okay, this is maybe not as gelling or as um, inclusive as everyone may want you to think. And it's been something we've learned over and over again on our journey. Yeah, it continues to evolve that way. And to be to be perfectly clear, we started out as a BDSM couple amongst ourselves between us and then, of course, jumped into ethical non-monogamy through the hot wife space, which, of course, we continue to this day. And it's a huge part of, of who we are and, and how, how we are where we are at this point. Uh, but yeah, it was meeting with – we thought it was normal, right, and when we first started our journey or we just thought it would be fully accepted that – yeah, we, you know, Brenna plays with single guys. And it, the idea of some of these couples were like, oh, we could never do that. We only play in the same room and we don't play a, a separately. And we don't, it's like, 
Okay, but so what? Well, not only that, but I think that there are a lot of men in the lifestyle that they were the driving forces for getting into the lifestyle because they specifically wanted to engage in sex with other people. Right. And while we respect that 100%, if it works for both parties in the couple... That is not necessarily our journey. It's not how we have lived the majority of our non-monogamous life. Right. And so explaining that to someone who doesn't have that same mindset, who doesn't have the mindset that you do, that you want to share me with other people, can be it's confusing. Yeah, it is. And, and, and it's a little frustrating at times. Explain that. Well, you think about all the, the journey that we have gone through, especially now. It, I shouldn't say it was frustrating then. It was confusing then because, again, like you said, I was under the impression that we were going to be met with open arms like a lot of people are. Oh, we're, we're all part of the same group. We're ethically non-monogamous. We're all just going to love each other. Absolutely not the case. There are very different groups of people within ethical non-monogamy like there is in everything. And we were met with a lot of that, m- more than not, actually. And now that we are where we are, and we'll talk a little bit about that, now I find it frustrating as I'm as I interact with couples digitally, and we we start you know potentially meeting couples now that the world is spinning again, and it's very obvious to me now how different folks are in this space, how much they they look at things differently than we do specifically, but how how everybody kind of behaves differently in the space. Couples particularly, and and that's predominantly what I'm speaking of here. Singles are different. Single men, single women, they behave differently. Couples are very, it's very interesting to, to interact with them because they all have their own plan. They have their own picture, particularly of what it looks like for them in ethical non-monogamy. We only play in the same room. We are soft swap or we are only full swap, full swap. We only play with another heteronormative couple. We, you know what I mean? It's like, it's very, I don't want to say homogenized, but those are the purest. And those are the people I find the most difficult for you and I to interact with because we're so vastly different. Right. And that's a challenge for us because specifically where we live, with th- th- those couples are so limited to us. And when the majority of them are those steadfast baseline purists, like heteronormative couple for heteronormative couple in the same room, on the same bed, that kind of thing. That's not who we are at all. No. Our, our evolution is, has taken us far beyond that, the walls and the confines of that. Right. And that makes it difficult a lot of times for us to engage with couples, which is a little frustrating. Yeah. So I think the first lesson that we learned was definitely that hot wife piece, the idea of people not understanding why you would want to share me with other men. And also, I think that there are a lot of misconceptions around the hot wife lifestyle within the non-monogamous sphere. There are a lot of assumptions that are made, even by people that you would think would be very educated and experienced being around other hot wife couples. Right. So that was kind of our first lesson in this idea that there are still these boundaries or rules that are kind of existing within the non-monogamous lifestyle. I think the second one for us has come much more recently, and that is the idea of us jumping into more of a poly dynamic. For sure. And that has always gotten the ire of some folks in the space and confusion. Like you said, like the idea, and we just dealt with this recently, the idea of either you or me, you in particular, in this particular case that I'm speaking of, going on a date, a quote unquote legitimate date with a single poly guy, going out to dinner, having drinks, he's picking up the tab. This is a real date. And the idea of that from some of our friends in the the swinger space 
it was really met with confusion. Like they just couldn't understand how that would even be possible. They could never fathom themselves in that situation. Well, we had a lot of different reactions to it. We had people that were confused as to why we would go down that road. We also had people that reached out and tried to almost justify why it was I thought this was a date, but it wasn't really a date. So for example, we had people that reached out, hot wives that reached out and said things like, well, I go on quote unquote dates with my playmates all the time. That's really not that big of a deal. I don't know why you guys were trying to turn it into this poly thing. And I had to explain, no, this is poly. This is, that is the road that we're looking to go down. It's something that we're open to. It's not necessarily something we're seeking out at this point in our journey, but it's something we're very open to. And explaining that to them was also met with confusion. Right. And, and so, yeah, I mean, those were kind of the two camps that people fell into. Obviously, there was a third camp of people being very supportive and understanding, even if it's not their thing, which I'm very thankful for. And I hope that there will continue to be more of those people within the lifestyle. But yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, there are people that are very, they're very passionate about where they live inside of this space. And a lot of times, anything outside of what they consider to be acceptable is you're met with judgment, as you said, and certainly confusion. And and the idea that a hot wife date and a poly type date are the same is, I mean, they couldn't be further apart. Yeah, I think, I think for me, what it is, is I've learned through being in the world of non-monogamy and obviously being in uh, correspondence with many different non-monogamous people is non-monogamous people are very similar to monogamous people in that we have this there is something in our human nature that makes us want to box things in. Right. So we live in our box. This is how we live our lives. This is what we can wrap our heads around. This is what we can compartmentalize. And things outside of that, we have a tendency to push away or to act as if they are somehow less than. Exactly. If it's not, well, and that's with a lot of things, right? If people don't understand something, regardless of what it is, it can't be right. It can't be good. My my way has to be better. Sure. It's not just non-monogamy versus monogamy no, it's any, either. A lot of things. I mean, it can be veganism. It can be absolutely certain fitness regimens. Could be anything. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. My way Religion. is the right way. Yeah. Of course, my way is the right way, or the only way in some cases. And you know, fortunately for us, we, we are open at this point, as we've talked about a number of times now on, the, on our other show, we're open to everything. We are, we are discounting nothing. Uh, we are open to all of the opportunities ethical non-monogamy is bringing our way. Sure. And that's, you know, for us, that's just how we are going forward. Absolutely. And that's why we're talking about this topic today. It's about our personal journey. And it's about coming to the realization that what we want to do is not, even though we're public figures in this in the non-monogamous world, even though we put ourselves out there, it's still about us and it's still about what we want to do. And I think that's why we really wanted to broach this topic today, because we receive a lot of emails from people who say things like, I was afraid to tell my non-monogamous friends that we wanted to enter into polyamory, or I was afraid to tell my swinger friends that we wanted to participate in BDSM. And I think that there are times when you have to shed all of that and you have to focus on what it is your personal journey looks like and understand why it is you started on this journey to begin with. Well, yeah. And for us, particularly for me, I won't speak for both of us. I'll let you determine that for yourself. But for me, it's, it's also... A journey that has at no end at this point. I don't know where this this journey ends for me. 
particularly because it certainly has evolved from where it started. We're so far beyond where I thought we would be. And we just realized that apparently we did an interview about a year and a half ago where we were interviewed by another podcaster. And we said, we probably don't see ourselves going down the road of polyamory. We don't really know what that would even look like for us. Well, guess what? It's a year and a half later. And here we are having this conversation. And so, yeah, I don't think we can discount anything. I certainly can't based on what's happened for the in the past number of months for me personally. So I'm I'm wide open to anything. So let's talk through our personal journey a little bit because obviously through our other podcast from Porch Swingers, we have talked about it on a weekly basis, but I'm not sure we've ever had an overarching view of our lifestyle journey. No, I don't think so. So I think, first of all, we should mention before we were in a relationship with each other, we were both in a fairly similar spot. We were both at a place of getting out of unfulfilling relationships and just being at a point, at least I, once again, I don't want to speak for you, but I was definitely at a point of, I just want to do something completely different than I have ever done before. Sure. Because what I'm currently doing is not working. Exactly. It never worked for me. Uh, I am four times divorced and I, there's got to be something wrong, right? It can't just be everybody else. It has to be, I'm the common denominator. And part of that is because a large part of that is because I was never comfortable. I was never satisfied. I was always, I was restless because I just didn't know exactly what I wanted. It was clear that I wasn't doing well with what I was doing. It wasn't working, but I was not honest with myself about what it was that I wanted and needed out of a relationship. And I think like a lot of people, you don't want to be met with judgment or disdain. You don't want to destroy a relationship necessarily, although that was inevitably what happened every time. And you know, you have to come to terms with who you are and what you want. And until you do that, you're going to continue doing the same thing over and over and over and probably not doing it well. So right before you met me, where was your mindset in terms of relationships and sex and your own sexuality, all of that? My mindset changed when I decided to, I spent 30, almost 30 years in Texas, which is where I was living. And when I decided to come to Montana and take an opportunity here after leaving my company of almost 27 years, I decided that I was not going to continue doing the same things that I was doing. So probably prior to meeting you, I probably made that conscious decision about six months before you and I actually met face to face. And I just decided that when I, I leave, I am going to do the things that I know or believe will make me happy. I'm not going to continue the revolving door of terrible relationships, 95% of which is always my fault. And I, I will take ownership of that. But I was not going to do it again. And that's was my mindset coming here. I was, and prior to meeting you, I just knew that I was not equipped to continue doing the same foolish things. Sure. So then you and I meet via Craigslist Casual Encounters, which we've talked about before. Yeah. I put out an ad specifically looking for a BDSM dynamic, but not a relationship. And I, right. I believe I made that distinction fairly clear. Yeah, absolutely. And I had had a BDSM history. I was, I abandoned it at some years back because of normative vanilla relationships that I would find myself in, always wanting to get back to that space. And not just because of the physical, sexual kind of component, but because there was an uh, there was an understanding, there was a, a level of comfort in those spaces for me. It was a welcoming space. I felt like I was among people that I, I communicated well with and people I belonged with to some degree. And it, it felt good. And as much as I enjoyed that for whatever reason, I would resist it and go right back to the world of trying to live a normal or what is people would consider a normal vanilla life. Right. And it was it was difficult. 
So you see my ad pop up. You're like, I'm going to do something different. Yeah, 100%. And I'm going to reach out to this person and see what comes of it. Yeah, I was brand new. I was only here a couple of times, back and forth, back and forth, uh, getting myself prepared to be here. And then I said, yeah, I'm just going to respond to this well-written ad from someone who seemingly knows what they want. There was no question that when I read it, I knew what you didn't want. You made that pretty clear. And I thought, well, maybe we're on the same page here. Let's take a look. So we went on a date. It was great. It yeah. uh, We always joke the first hour you were a little bit uh, stuffy, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, maybe a little stiff. But uh, once you got a cocktail in you and some good conversation, it started to flow. And we just, I really enjoyed it. I assume you did as well, given how the evening ended. Yeah, it went very well. And up in, uh, other than traveling for work, for the most part, you and I have not been apart since that day. Right. Literally. I mean, other than traveling for work, we have not been apart. However, I think we both resisted to some degree. I think we both, we found ourselves falling for the other person very quickly and yet pulling back at times as well. Yeah, for sure. I was, I was a bit conflicted because I thought this is, um, am I doing the same thing that I would have done before and just kind of getting involved in this relationship? Am I doing it for the right reasons? Am I fully prepared to do what it is that I think I want to do? Or do I fall back into the normative kind of behavior? And it was it was a it was a struggle for a couple of weeks. I mean, definitely something that was weighing on me until finally, we just pulled the trigger and said to hell with it, we're just going to jump in hip deep. And we did. And we did. I basically moved in with you after only a couple of months. Yeah, pretty much. You were not even at your home hardly at all. Uh, You spent all the time with me. We were inseparable unless one of us traveled for work. And then I stopped that. I put a stop to that. I I refused to travel anymore. I wouldn't go out of state anymore. And so, yeah, it was a really different experience. And the, the me putting my relationship first at that time was very different for me. I had never done that before, which obviously was a big problem in my in my past. Work always came first. My career always came first. And I had a, a very different position, obviously, in those days. But I did not, it just did not matter to me what happened in my relationship in those days. Work was number one. Uh, I, one of my ex-wives said that I was married to work and she was my mistress. That's how she put it. Yeah. 100% right. 100% right. So once we delved deeply into our relationship, like I said, I basically moved in with you. I still owned my home, but I was with you every single night. Yep. And once we got to that point, I feel like that's when we just started this spewing of truths to each other. We started having these incredibly deep conversations where we talked about everything, past relationships, our relationship, what we wanted our future to look like, sexual interests, everything. Well, let's also say that we were very, very physical and sexual for a great deal of our of our time, multiple times a day. It's really what our, our relationship was, was really engrossed in. I mean, we were just saturated in the world of BDSM and sexual exploration. Yes. And so when we started having conversations about the things we wanted, the things we didn't want, what we might want to try... When you open that spigot, man, that floodgate just opened. And then it was like, okay, so she's she's totally okay with that. I'm going to roll the dice. Let me let me take it take it up a notch. And that's just what we kept doing. Not so much one-upping each other, but it was like, okay, you're all right with that. Let's see what you think about this. And then it was, what do you, you know, you said something to me about I would really be turned on seeing you with another woman. And 
to your surprise, you were met with, wow, that's amazing because I would really like to see you with another man. Yeah. And that's kind of where this whole thing started. Yes. And from there, it was very quick. It 10 was, days. <laughs> yeah, less than two weeks before you found someone for me to first interact with. Yeah, 100%. We we don't really waste a whole lot of time, do we? <laughs> we pretty much, when we decide to do something, we just kind of go. We have zero filter. And so, yeah, within 10 days time, we were, we were in the lifestyle. And then it was like, it was like a tattoo, you know, or a potato chip. You can't just have one. And then we went right away into the next experience and the next experience. And before you know it, a couple of months down the road, we had a lot of experiences, both with singles and couples at that point. Yeah. And that's really when we started trying to meld the world, right? That's yeah. when we, for example, started having couple friends and we started having discussions with them and realized, oh, they're maybe not so cool with our hot wifing lifestyle. Yeah. That's also when we started going to munches because I wanted to be immersed in the BDSM world. Yep. And we're once again met with a lot of judgment regarding being ethically non-monogamous. Yep. I shouldn't say that. Being swingers. Right. Because many of them are in or were in poly relationships. Yes. And they deem it they deem it un- beneath them to be in a swinger type relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think to some degree there are still a lot of stereotypes regarding swinging. Yeah. I think even the word swinger, we've talked about this before, but that idea of you know, the 70s key parties or this indiscriminate sex where you're just right. going out and having sex with anyone is what a lot of people think of when they hear the word swinger. Well, I don't think anyone under the age of 45 even uses that term for the most part. We do it to identify it so people understand what we're talking about. But the truth is it's ethical non-monogamy or consensual non-monogamy at this point. But when I announced to the room of 30 people in that munch that we were ethically non-monogamous no, you swingers, swingers. <laughs> literally the every you could hear a pin drop yeah. but what i thought was incredibly disingenuous while we, while we spent the, the next hour in that room going through the munch and, and kind of communicating with these people and met with r- real judgment no sooner did we leave get home you checked a couple of our profiles one of our bdsm profiles and three of the people in that room private messaged us and asked if we would meet them for a drink. So you won't sit in a room with us amongst your peers and interact with us, but you want us to be your dirty little secret because you don't want your friends to know. And that's kind of where we were just turned off. And we decided we are, we're not going to be hot. We're not going to hide. We are who we are. We're not going to pretend we're something we're not. And that's kind of how we ended up where we are right now. Well, yeah. And I think you say we immediately jump to, we're not going to hide. We're not going to be something other than who we are. But I think the first couple of times that we received that true judgment, it felt horrible. I know yeah, I was I'm, angry. I'm much more sensitive than you. You were angry. I was upset because to me it was like, okay, here we are opening ourselves up to all of these new experiences and we're trying to understand where we fit in in all of this. And it felt like we were hitting a brick wall because we wanted to be multiple things, but weren't accepted in multiple areas or by multiple different kind of camps within the alternative lifestyle sphere. Well, let's be clear. The, one of the first things the moderator says in this munch literally is, this is a safe environment. This is a judgment-free room. Literally the first words out of his mouth. Well, I'm Only sure for that- us to be met with judgment instantly. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's human nature. I I truly believe that. Like if you go to, for example, a lifestyle event 
and you have to sign some things, you know, as you're signing up for the event, it'll say the same thing. Right. This is, you know, discretion is necessary and you have to be judgment free and accepting and, and kind to the people that you're going. All of right. those things are always said. And yes, it's great that they're putting that out there. But the truth is you're always going to judge. Everyone's going to judge. And and back then we were angry about that judgment. Yeah, now well, I'm not. No, 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 no. Now it's just, I'm completely accepting of it. And ex- I actually expect it. And when I don't expect it, uh, my my hackles are up. I'm like, huh, what's going on here? Something's up. Because we get it all the time. We get it for so many reasons. We're also an age gap couple. We're 20 years apart. So when you and I go out to dinner, we just dealt with it yet two days ago? Yesterday. Yesterday. In a restaurant in our town and a couple very obviously paying attention to us because, you know, we're 20 years apart and, you know, we're always affectionate with each other and I'm kissing your face and we're talking and laughing and, you know, we don't care who else is around. We just kind of do our own thing. And they were obviously, particularly the wife of the couple was obviously bothered by that. And so, you know, we're met with judgment all the time, but to be met with judgment in a space that is supposed to be judgment free and you're in a room of free thinking people and progressive ideas, still you're going to be met with that. So for folks who think that the lifestyle as a whole is fully inclusive, you could not be more wrong. It is a very judgmental place, very judgmental. And I think largely because like it or not, you're in an environment where image gives a, is given a lot of weight. People are image conscious, they're image driven. And it's, you know, is this person attractive? Is that person not attractive? I think back to the very first lifestyle party we went to, which was a, a tremendous mistake for us and how divided the room was. And I remember saying to you, this was like high school. It's like the cool kids on this side and then like the chess club over there. And it was so uncomfortable and painful to watch. So there's a lot of judgment in this space, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So around the same time that this whole munch issue happened, actually, and our first event happened, we started the podcast. We did. And that was really interesting because we had to grow some thick skin pretty quickly. Very quickly. And I think it made, obviously, our lifestyle journey unique. I know most of you listening are not going to be able to relate to this. But all of a sudden, we had a growing number of people that were listening in on our adventures and our thoughts and our feelings and having their own judgments about it. Yeah, particularly locally. And in, in fact, we were we were under the radar for a long time. Podcasts don't just, don't just take off unless your name is Joe Rogan. So it started. <laughs> we started a very slow roll. Uh, in fact, I think the first month we had 500 downloads and we were celebrating that month like, oh, wow, 500 downloads. That's tremendous. We just passed a million to put that into perspective. So it really did kind of impact us that way. But when it, when it came out, because we show our faces, Brenda and Brian are our real names. We live in a very small rural town in Montana. When that information came out, people that knew us from the scene in our town there were two very divided camps, 100% on our team and 100% not, almost right down the middle, which of course, if you're not into Brian and Brenna, then we are not into you. That's fine. We don't need to interact. But there was a lot of hostility from people, not obviously face to face. It was always some kind of digital snarkiness. Mm -hmm. And that's an unfortunate thing. Yeah. You know, again, a lot of judgment, whether you like it or not. And as we continue our journey, a little of which we'll talk about today, I am 100% convinced that we're going to be met with more of it. Now, where that comes from, I don't know, because we have developed an amazing, amazing listenership and friends and fans of the show who are uber supportive in so many ways. And I really think we resonate with a lot of people. And we're about to turn that up a notch. 
uh, in a lot of different ways. So I'm really curious to see what that looks like for us going forward. Sure. Before we get to that, I want to continue on because we have not even scratched the surface of our personal journey. Right? No, not even close. So fairly quickly after we started the podcast, I actually had my first long-term play partner. Yes. Who we refer to our, on our other show as Clint. Yeah. And I developed not only a friendship with him, but an ongoing sexual relationship. And that was very different for us for many different reasons. First of all, because it brought a lot of newness to our journey and it causes to have even more conversations, which I wholeheartedly believe is also what got us to talking about polyamory. 100%. That's where that stemmed from, for sure. The idea that we were able, you were able to share time with someone as often as you were at that point, particularly in the beginning, with someone else. We had, and of course, we would meet them out for a drink. We'd have lunch. This was a friendship, just like any other, with the obviously the the exception of you having sex with him on a regular basis. And we, he even joined us for your birthday at one point uh, while we were out of town. So this was a, he is a legitimate friend. This is someone that's we we spend a lot of time with. So we kind of knew that we would have the capacity, the two of us, to get into the world of polyamory. Right. We didn't exactly know what that looked like, but we knew we had the ability and the capacity to take on other partners in our lives. So we should also say kind of a fork to this journey is for a long time, we talked about, I talked about wanting you to also find a regular play partner and to be involved with someone completely separate from me. And you were hesitant about that. Well, I was. And now thinking about it, of course, knowing now what we know, it's obvious to me why I wasn't 100% sure because frankly, I didn't know what I was looking for. I didn't know what that other partner would have to look like. I have everything I need in you as my partner. So what am I looking for here? And much like yourself, you want another partner who is different from me to some degree. You want some different qualities in, in another partner. I would probably obviously want the same, but what does that really look like? I had no idea. I was conflicted and still trying to figure out a lot of my own sexual identity and the things that were important to me. So I had no clue what that person was going to look like. Right. At, I, at and I, I think I didn't fully understand that you and I would have these conversations. I didn't conversations. either, so you couldn't possibly <laughs> have understood it. I know, but you and I would have these conversations where I would go, I want to go out and find someone for you. I'll do the legwork for you. Just tell me what it is you want. And you'd be like, I don't know. And then I would get frustrated because I felt like you weren't giving me what I wanted to hear, which now I realize was very selfish because it's, once again, your personal journey. But that was the point we were at for a long time. Yeah, well, there's also a lot of components that go into that. Like I said, I was not 100% sure what I would be looking for in another partner. So it was was very difficult for me to articulate to you what I was looking for. I had no idea. I really didn't. And then, of course, we had the opportunity to meet some other folks that became regular playmates and friends. So we've had a really unique opportunity and been so fortunate to meet some very cool people that are in our lives, not just from a strictly sexual standpoint, but also friends. They're, they're going to be lifelong friends, which is really something unique. And, and couples as well. We have a very, very close couple that we enjoy spending time with and have spent holidays with and anniversaries with and all those kinds of things. So along the way, we have met some of the most you know, influential, important people in our lives to this point, as well as a lot of negativity. So we don't want it to seem like it's all bad. It's not at all. We are much more positive than we have negative. Uh, And the positive more than 
outweighs the bad. Absolutely. And I think the thing that's been most interesting about the play partners that we've had along the way and the friendships we've created is none of them were necessarily part of a quote unquote plan, right? No, no plan. Very often these opportunities would come our way and we would seize them. And yes, they fit into our general idea of what we wanted things to look like, but never were we out searching for these things when they happened to cross our paths. No. And the truth of the matter is I wouldn't, for me personally, I wouldn't even have known really how to search for them because I was I was still you know conflicted I was still kind of figuring out my own stuff and, and didn't really know what direction I wanted to take so I wouldn't have been able to plan it although we are ter- we are so analytical we dissect everything and the one thing we have decided and determined over the course of the last month or so is that we simply cannot do that when it comes to our relationships and our sexuality and and, and the, the our world of ethical non-monogamy because every time we think we we have a plan, the plan goes sideways, right. and then something <laughs> happens organically that just works. Right. So trying to plan this out, like we tried to plan, like we knew all of a sudden like we were smarter than, than the universe apparently, because we knew what we were going to do as it pertained to getting into a poly dynamic. <laughs> completely fell flat on our faces. Yeah. And we, we instinctively knew that our plan was flawed because it's not how we are. And we should have just been comfortable with you know the things that we do and that we know work for us, and stuck with it. Instead, we tried to alter that, and it didn't work. And well, then let's I'll- let's back up a couple of months because I, I want to really talk about the last, in my opinion, the last three months. Okay. Because I believe wholeheartedly that the last three months have been pivotal for us. I think part of it has been that we are getting ready to sell our home. Yeah. We are getting ready to leave. I am going to move out of state for the first time in my entire life. Yeah. We are going to be, I don't want to say homeless, but basically homeless. Well, we're going to be traveling in uh, in a very large recreational vehicle is what yes, we're going to be doing. Yes, we will not be owning or renting a home. We technically will not be owning or leasing a vehicle. <laughs> nope. Nope. We are done with all of that for now, for the next foreseeable probably year or more. And I think wrapping, for me personally, wrapping my head around all of that newness has also inspired me to see our relationship and our dynamic and myself in a completely new perspective as well. I feel like it has to, I am the most open I have ever been in my entire life. I just have all, my eyes are open to everything. I'm seeing things and people and experiences and opportunities in ways that I never had in the past. And I, you couldn't have what do you mean? You didn't have the ability. You couldn't have seen this. Listen, I certainly couldn't have. Think about where. Think about how different my life is about to be. Your life's going to be real different. You've never lived anywhere but the state of Montana. Right. Right. You're 30 years old. You went to college here. You grew up here. You went to high school here. You went to elementary school here. Everybody you know is here. Right. With the exception of our lifestyle friends that you know live in other states. But everyone that you know for your entire life lives here. Right. Yep. Very strange. I mean, you're selling, we're selling a house, we're selling our, we sold one vehicle, we've got another one to sell. Our house is basically empty because it's essentially sold already. And we're just preparing to get on the road. Yep. I am 50. I lived a corporate life for most of my, most of my life. Now I've traveled a lot. I, I don't, you know, I grew up, was born and grew up in Jersey, went to college in Atlanta, moved to Texas, done a lot of traveling, but I'm about to do everything the opposite of what I've always done my entire life, which was chase a career, chase money, chase opportunity, chase promotions, all those things. All of that is out the window. I will, for the first time, be traveling with you, with a destination, certainly, but no routes, no cars, no homes, none of that stuff, no boats, none of it, all gone, everything gone. 
And that's gigantic. So how could you do anything other than embrace all of it, right? Everything that comes our way is going to be brand new for the most part. Yeah. Everything. Everything. So there's no way you could close your mind to any possibilities at this point. I'm certainly not. I mean, there's no way I could. I'd have to be crazy to even think I could try. So how do you think it's changed you? I think what you're just about to talk about over the last three months has changed. And we've been planning this for the better part of a year, a little bit more than a year. But this last three months, things have gotten real. Emptying out the house and you know, all those kinds of things yeah. and real plans, which we'll talk about next week on our other show. And you know, so now it's like, okay, I have no reason not to accept whatever comes my way. If something I feel like I need to do is is presented to me, then that's just what I'm going to do. I have no reason not to. There's there's certainly no cause not to. Right. You know, it's just you and me. We have an agenda, obviously. We have responsibilities. We have a show to do and we have partners. So we have some stuff we have to do on the road, which is why we're doing this. But certainly for the most part, this is an exploration for each other. You know, our, our relationship certainly, but also personal exploration. Yep. So we don't have, we have a relationship We've always had a relationship of openness and honesty and communication to a fault. This is this has really changed. It's gone to another level now. Right. Right. Because now, it kind of like how we would vet single guys early on, as of recently as of six or eight months, you know, pre-COVID. I would do the vetting. We would meet them together. We would decide together whether this was a good fit or not. And then, of course, you would decide whether you wanted to play with that person and what that looked like. You are meeting your your own playmates now. I don't even meet them until you think I need to meet them. You're setting up your own dates. I am going on a date tomorrow with a woman for the first time yeah. since you and I went out for the first time. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> so to think that you and I are comfortable enough in our relationship and where we are personally in our sexual space and kind of exploring all of the, the relationship possibilities and dynamics to just do that on our own. You and I spent most of the day yesterday on our, our date night, our date day yesterday, just talking about what it is that we've got going on. Your your new friend, Dean, the, the gal I'm going to meet tomorrow, all these different things. It's like we are we are having relationships parallel to our relationship in a lot of ways, while ours is always the core. It's like we are experiencing things that we are most people will never have the opportunity to experience or even be able to wrap their heads around the idea. And it's it's pretty awesome, especially when you think about folks like, you know, we talked about the, the guys you work with and them telling you their horror stories of their relationships. When you think about that, it's like, man, we could not be further away, further apart from, from normative behavior or, or what people would consider normative relationship behavior. Right. It's It's crazy. It really is. Yeah, I find it... And I said this, I think, on our other show, I find it liberating, to say the least. It's so, you know, it's abstract, really, for me. And it's still almost not real, but it's so liberating to just say and do whatever we want to do as it pertains to being in a our relationship. Yeah, yeah. And I think the whole point of us going through this entire discussion is to say that we have ended up in a place, A, that we never thought we would have when we started this journey. Right. If you would have asked us at the beginning of our non-monogamous journey if, if we would end up here, and I don't say end up here because, like you said, we have a lot <laughs> of things to come. This is hardly the In fact, in, in a lot of ways, I honestly think this is the beginning for us. I, I think the last three months, maybe the last, particularly the last 30 days, 60 days, has really been the beginning of our journey as it pertains to sexual exploration and relationship exploration for us. We are going to be able to offer the people that we talk to and work with 
so much because of where we have been and, of course, where we're headed. I, I was thinking about that today. It's almost going to be hard to to put it all into words for people, I, even right now. Let's, let's be clear about a few things. I have a date tomorrow with a woman, right? Yes. She's a transgendered woman. She's amazing. She's beautiful. And I am going to meet her for the first time tomorrow under the guise of potentially dating her for yes. to, for whatever period of time that looks like. She knows, of course, that we're leaving and all those things. But there is that component. And that's not something I ever thought I would be doing. It never even occurred to me. But the fact that she is transgender to me means absolutely nothing. She's just a woman. Right. And I'm eager to go on this date with her. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm just, you know, just communicating with her has been amazing. So that's a huge journey for me. Only in the last three months, 90 days, have you and I really started talking about what my sexuality is as it pertains to my bisexuality and my bisexual tendencies and thoughts. And so I've only recently been acting on that. I went to a, an event that was basically gay and lesbian and bisexual for the first time last week by myself, without you, totally out of my comfort zone because I don't like groups. As you know, I'm not awesome in parties. Right. But what an amazing experience. And I've met a number of people who I'm communicating with even as early as the of this uh, this morning. I've been commun- you know, They've been texting me even uh, this morning. And so being able to get outside of the box that we've and we were never in really a strong box. We've been all over the place. But even the box that I thought I was in, there there is no box anymore. I, we can't even. We have tried over the last week to determine where where we fall, you know, in terms of sexuality. There's no word for it. We can't come up with it. Right. I don't know what the hell it is. I have no idea. So I, I again, I think there is there is no box. There is no ceiling. There is no real infinite end to this. Right. Not for me. I think we're we have decided the best way to describe our describe ourselves right now, both of us, is we're evolving. Yeah, we're a, we're a work in progress. <laughs> Whatever that means, we are evolving. Yeah, this is very much. I I honestly believe that this is the. I really believe that the last three months, as you said, ha, are, is has been the beginning of where we're gonna be, we're going for sure. I mean, we've had a lot of growth certainly in the last three years. This is going to be next level growth. Next level for sure, because there's so much more opportunity, and you know the door is just wide open, literally. Because now we're seeing, like, hey, we're leaving, we're hitting the road, we're doing things that we never expected to do. I certainly never expected to do, right? Never. And so, being on the road and traveling, and and not hardly owning anything, like our responsibilities are going to be professional to a degree, but everything else is on us. Whatever we want to do, and our dog, and our dog, <laughs> yeah, our puggle, we can do whatever we want to do, and we're we're held to no other constraints. Not to property, not to land, not to material things. All of that is gone. Yeah. And so then what's left, right? It's it's just you. It's the real stuff. It's the stuff that matters. You yeah. know, we look around this our garage right now looks like a like it looks like a garage sale is what it looks like. There is so much crap in there that we have accumulated over time and that we just threw in there because we're gotta, you know, we're gonna donate it or whatever. And I look at it and think this stuff means nothing to us. Yeah. There's we have zero attachment to it. Literally nothing. So other than clothes uh, and some fitness equipment, because I got to have that on the road, and our dog, the rest of it means nothing. Yes. So it's really, when you say, when I say liberating, I don't just mean from a sexual perspective or a sexuality perspective, although that's huge right now. It's everything. You yeah. know, so how could, we, how could you leap into something like that and not be wide open to all experiences? Sure. You know, I mean, you have to be. Yeah. Right? I think the point I was, I was getting to a few moments ago was 
the idea of designing the life that you want. And that's that's been the point of this Sex on Your Terms project since the very beginning. It's something that we talk to people about constantly via our coaching services. It's this idea of, I think you always have this plan for your life, right? I think that's human nature. I think it only makes sense for you to look at your life when you're in your 20s and then again when you're in your 30s and then again when you're in your 40s and have a plan for how things are supposed to go. And I think when you can let go of that plan and live, that's when everything kind of falls into place and that's when your life really starts to make sense. And that's the point that we're at right now. And I also think that that is so important for lifestyle couples to understand or lifestyle people in general, should say is the idea that yes you have a plan for what you think you want out of non-monogamy but if you box yourself in if you limit yourself all you're going to do is potentially weed out amazing opportunities and and that's something that we have been talking to people a lot about lately and will continue to and it's also something we want to instill upon the lifestyle community as best we possibly can because i think you have to be open to things you also have to be open to other people's journeys for sure yeah no listen if nothing else well certainly there it's more than nothing there's a lot to be learned uh, that in this lifestyle for sure and that we've learned and we will continue to learn but you have got to be accepting of other people's choices particularly as it pertains to their sexuality or their gender you you cannot discount anyone because anything is possible Literally anything. Not only that, but, you know, I think that there's also something to be said for having respect for other people's journeys, even if they're not your own. You know, I think there are a lot of people in the lifestyle that do things that we would never do. It doesn't mean we judge it. It doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It just means that's not our journey. I can think of a million things that people have told us that they've gone and done in the non-monogamous world that would not fit into our world. They just don't. And that's okay. And it's actually kind of cool that they get to go do those things that make them feel good because to me, that's what the lifestyle is all about. Yeah, it it very literally is uh, sex on your terms, is relationships on your terms. And we are finding it out now more than ever, even before. When we started the show, our first show, I did not expect us to evolve into this. I really didn't see that coming. But as you begin to open yourself up to opportunities and you have different experiences, all of a sudden it's like, well, why why not try that? You know, why not consider that? Sure. You know, it's really a place of being. The lifestyle for me is is a place of being at this point. It's not it's not an action. It's not an act. It's not a you know, set of rules. It's not a set of rules. It's not even a mindset. It's a place of being. You, where you are is where you belong at that moment, but certainly open yourself up to other opportunities. Don't don't box yourself in. Like I said, we I think we did early on to some degree, and I think everybody does when you start out, certainly, but there is, there is no box. There are no walls. There are no limits at this point to what we want to uh, experience because we're just open to it now. I mean, yeah. There's no reason for us not to be. And frankly, the last 30 to, 30 to 90 days have probably been the most liberating of my life. And I've lived a pretty exceptional life. <laughs> so, you know, the most liberating for me, I think. Yeah. It's been really cool as your partner to see some of those walls coming down too. I mean, even to think back to you not wanting to play with other people. <laughs> we we went from that to where we're at now and right. to see those walls come down and both of us accept that we're open to things is 
it's so cool to see. Yeah, it's you know it's unique to even think about where we were again like three years ago where this thing started and where we are now. It's so vastly different, so vastly different. Yeah. You know, just listening to some of our old podcasts, it's like how do we get here? <laughs> you know, what were we, we were so we were we were talking about something and it's like we were so wrong. Like we are so far beyond that now. Yeah. You know, but you couldn't we could but possibly. But it's a journey. That's the yeah, whole. Yeah. You point couldn't of, possibly have seen it coming. That's the entire point of this entire episode is everything is a journey everything is an evolution that includes when you're in the lifestyle and if you allow yourself to become stuck if you allow yourself to just do the same thing over and over and over again even in the world of non-monogamy i just don't see how that works and it, it may work but it only works to a certain degree well hey there are a lot of people and we know them and we are friends with them and we love them that are very much that steadfast you know core baseline ethically non-monogamous couple. They play with other couples, they play in the same room, and that's their thing. And they're really enjoying that that lifestyle. And it's amazing for them. That's great. Whatever works for you. Again, it's on your terms. Whatever works. However, I will say that if you have an inclination and you're in the ethically non-monogamous space and you're partnered and you have a great relationship with your partner and you're you're doing the things that you want to do, you know, sexually with your with you know within that space. If you have an inclination and you think you might want to try something else, certainly open yourself up and, and talk to your partner about it. Because for from our perspective, that has never been anything but positive yeah. for us. We have never met each other with any sort of resentment or judgment in anything that either of us have talked about doing. And there's something very liberating about that. It's an exceptional feeling to be able to say those things. And so, you know, I definitely encourage you to try it. Even if it's even if you've been in this lifestyle for 20 years and you've only been playing a certain way, step out there. Yeah. You know, your okay. relationship's going to be strong enough to handle it. Couldn't agree more. I took the words right out of my mouth. So obviously this is, we, we had so much fun sharing our personal journey with you guys. I think the thing that we love doing most is hearing your personal journeys. And we do a lot of that via our coaching services on sexonyourterms.com. So you can head there for all of the details on our services, as well as find additional resources and past podcast episodes. You can also reach us directly via mail at sexonyourterms at gmail.com. We've received some really amazing correspondence from you guys there. And it's been so fun to talk to you about the show and about how it relates to you and your journey. Uh, you can also find us on social media. We're on Sex on Your Terms, both on Twitter and Instagram. And thank you so much to those of you who have subscribed on whichever podcast platform you're currently listening on. We've also received some amazing Apple podcast reviews. So if you've taken the time to do that, just know it is a huge support to us and to the show. And your uh, time and energy is very much appreciated. And I think that is what we have for you guys this week. And until next time, we hope you enjoy Sex on Your Terms.